good. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Um, good worship. Thank you all for participating and every declaration, every word, every voice matters. Um, want to uh, the Duck Dynasty look in the back row is uh, Corwin's brother and his wife and family are here. So, uh, Bo, Bo and Linda, what's that? Indeed. <clears throat> what state are you in? If I say it, it'll be the wrong state. Colorado. So they're, they've moved out there. They were from Michigan. Of course, uh, Corwin and, and Bo's family was in Michigan, but uh, they've been friends. Uh, it's been always great to have those guys here. And so blessings to you. It's good to see you. Good to see you're doing well. And so... And they are also probably the main cause of Katie not having a voice this morning. She said somebody kept her up late. I'm sure it was a mutual whatever. So anyways, we are intrepid. We carry on with, without our voices, in pain and joy and whatever. You just keep moving forward. Um, Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. We were here last week. I'm going to return. Not quite ready to move on. Um, and as I was sharing last week, I made a connection that uh, I just keep meditating on. And uh, this verse out of the Passion Translation, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began a good work in you or this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what a promise verse. I've uh, gone to this all my life that he who began a good work in you will finish it. And every person in their, in their journey with Jesus has some real serious doubts about whether you're going to make it. Yeah, if you're honest. Yeah, am I going to make it? Can I hang in there? Can I get through this situation? Can I come out on the other side? And so it's a consolation for that, that it's not about you. It's about the one that is at work in you. The one that began the work. None of us found Jesus. He found us. You don't find him unless he's revealing himself to you and opening himself up. So let's now turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at a couple verses. And there's a... A true connection here between the Lord being at work in us and the reality, this thing of following Jesus. And I've just been hanging out on, on this uh, topic, and I find it uh, on the 
just that concept of following Jesus, getting back to this, it's so elementary. And yet I've been finding it very um, liberating and, and empowering because it is, it is that and it is no more and it is no less than following Jesus. And if you can get back, do a reset in your heart about why you're doing what you do, why you are who you are, why you believe what you believe and don't believe what you don't believe, why it, it all has to do, it comes back to this. And um, in uh, this passage, Mark chapter 1, verses uh, beginning in 16, as Jesus was walking along the shore of Lake Galilee, he noticed two brothers fishing, Simon and Andrew. He watched them as they were casting their nets into the sea and said to them, Come, follow me, and I will transform you. I'll, I'll do something in you. I'll change you from being stinky fishermen to fishers of men. I'll transform you into be men who catch people instead of fish. And so, of course, they immediately, they drop their nets. Now, this invitation from Jesus is, I'm going to say, it's a must. You must have this because you don't just voluntarily say, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you. Now, I believe that whosoever will, that he gives this invitation, but you need to hear this call because it's important for you to hear that call and then the responding to the call and, and moving and doing it, it it initiates what we call grace. Actually, you can't do it unless the grace comes. So let's look at John chapter 21. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you're pretty sure it's because you're a good follower, you're, you're probably in trouble. Or that if you're able and other people aren't. You're in for a rude awakening. Um, John 21, 15. But actually that's good news to us because it, it takes God. It takes him giving us the ability to follow him. And he, he points this out. We're going to look here in um, 21 if I have my stuff written out right. And verse 15, um, here it is. And this is this this is this place where and we let me before I move on refer to the passage out of um, I think it was Mark last last week where um, the rich young ruler that story and he's explaining to Jesus of course this because this is context to this subject he's explaining to Jesus that you know I want to follow you like I want to be like and and Jesus tells him, keep my commandments, keep my words, which is a good word. And he responds to that, oh, I do. I keep them all. Like, so I'm in? And Jesus said, if you want to be, comes back to him, and, and, and loving him says, if you, like, if you want to be made perfect, if you really want to do this, then go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and come back and follow me. Matter of fact, let me, let me go there. I, I intended to, and I, I, for, I forgot. Um, let me find it quick. I believe it was, um, I think it was Mark. 
because this is it's so important to see this. Mark chapter. Um, was it nine where we were last week? And um, no, that's not right. My, uh, what was that? Was it 10? Okay. Yes, 10 and 17. So this is the story. He gets down, and in, in verse 21, it says that Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love. Like, he didn't say this out of wanting him to fail. He said this out of caring about him. That's important to see that. And said to him, yet there is still one thing in you lacking. Go sell all that you have and give, to, give your money to the poor. Then all of your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back, walk with me. Completely shocked by Jesus' answer, he turned and walked away very sad for he was extremely rich. Like, up, oh, you hit my red line. I can't do that. Jesus looked at the faces of his disciples who were watching this like you just act, like he was in with us and he could have funded this whole ministry. See how this goes? Like that's not even a joke, is it? That's exactly how we evaluate like, oh, you definitely want him to come to your church. You definitely want him to be involved in your ministry. It will help immensely. Don't screw this up, Jesus. Like, you know, Judas is sitting there going, I'm the one that's got to pay the bills and like, you know, please. Don't, don't turn this one away. Okay, I know, none, none of us today would think that way. <laughs> um, Jesus looked the faces of his disciples because they were stunned. We're gonna, yeah, and, I, and the more I think about this, I'm like, how hard it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. The disciples were startled when they heard this, like, what? Now, I don't know, growing up in a poverty spirit, like some of us did, I'm sure more than just me did, I didn't have a prejudice against blacks, I didn't have a prejudice against this, but man, I had an attitude about people that were wealthy, that were owners of businesses, that were leaders. I don't know where it came from, but I had it bad. And... Um, None of them ever did anything to me. It wasn't even a reason for it, but I developed this thing. Like, I have an aversion to people that have wealth, that have any substance, that are actually successful. Why would you go there? I don't know, but I, I, I did. I was, yeah. So, and I know I'm not alone in this attitude about anybody that has substance, that actually has wealth, especially among us if you're, born in a poverty spirit, and that mentality, that orphan spirit. If you're a son, you begin to value it. But if you're an orphan, your orphan mentality, you, you think that's a bad thing just automatically. It's how we look at stuff. And so I'm not that way anymore. I really am not. Like, I've really been delivered from it. So that's a thing of the past, but it was really a part of my DNA uh, in my thinking process and my a stronghold in my mind. So... The disciples, none of them were wealthy, as far as I know. Well, Matthew might have been. But. 
But he, instead of being like, see, our attitude often is like, well, yeah, the filthy rich, like what, and what, what good are they anyways? They're just this and they're just that. You wouldn't be that brokenhearted about it. Jesus said, like, it's really hard for them to, to enter into the kingdom of God. Why didn't the disciples say, oh, yeah, it probably is? Why didn't they answer that way? Why were they startled and why were they really taken back by it? I'd never really stopped to think about it and look at it. So they were startled when they heard this, but Jesus again said to them, Children, it is next to impossible for those who trust in their riches to find their way into God's kingdom realm. It is easier to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to enter into God's kingdom realm. But this left them all the more astonished. And they whispered to one another, Who in the world can be saved? Who can make it? Because that saying, if that was a qualification to follow Jesus, like, you know, poor people are real protective of their stuff. Like, we think, yeah, we're not necessarily generous. Like, not by nature, if you're even that mindset. You're really prone to hang on to things. So generosity is something you have to learn. Uh, giving freely is something you have to learn. And, and so we... You may be dirt poor, but you've got your stuff. You just don't want somebody to mess with, right? Like, don't ask me to give up this. So they're looking at this, and Jesus is making this requirement. If you want to follow me, you've got to sell what you have and give to the poor. Now, here's what, where I want to go. Here's, here's one of the things I really want to emphasize. Even the rich young ruler, he put his confidence in keeping the commandments, Right? Not that much unlike us. We'll be, once you get your act together, you stop doing all the bad things, whatever those are, whatever those were. This thing starts to grow like, I'm good because I don't do that stuff, right? I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do, like, the, yeah, just that foolish, like, little saying, but it's, it's, it, there's, there's a mentality behind it. Like, I'm good now, I go to church, like, And uh, I'm, I don't do that. And oh, I would never do that. Like, I've learned, don't ever say that. Because we're all capable of about anything in the right situation. What I do is walk along going, Jesus, thank you for <laughs> being merciful to me and not putting me in a position where I'm tempted beyond what I can resist. Like, that's, that's my prayer. I understand. I know what I'm made of. And in the right circumstance and in the right situation, though I don't like to think about it, who knows what I would do or I could do, except by the grace of God and his active hand in keeping me, that, that's my boast. Jesus found me, and I do my best to stay close to him. He helps me. And, and so the disciples are looking at this because they're like, now he, rose the, he raised the bar, the standard, and they might like, do we have to sell all of our stuff? I don't, I don't know. What were they thinking? I'm just like, I'm kind of adding here a little bit, like, because we don't know, how did they look at this? Is that what you do? If you want to follow Jesus, gather everything you have, have a big yard sale. And then don't forget to sell the house, you know, the yard along with the stuff and, you know, and, and just get rid of it and distribute everything and then come and follow Jesus. Like, but... Don't miss this. It was the requirement for this man. 
But if you turn around and make that a law or a standard, then you've fallen from grace. You see, sometimes it's harder to have stuff and ask Jesus to give it when he says, hey, I want you to share that. Like, well, I'd rather give it away than share it, you know? I mean, we have the funniest things about our stuff. Just think about it. But the lordship of Jesus and following him require, you don't know. It's like, don't ever send me to ask Africa. It's like, you can't come with qualifications. He may not, but that's not the point. The point is, if you're going to follow him, you need to follow. And, and if he asks us, you know, if he says this, follow me, and we do, what's the first question out of your mouth? Where are we going? <laughs> to which Jesus would turn around and say, does it matter? You know that out of control feeling you have often when you're trying to follow Jesus? Get used to it. That's the point. We have to trust him. Sometimes you can see him out ahead of you. I think, I believe that a disciple should practice, like realize this. You're going to learn the backside of Jesus because he's going and you're following. So you, you know him from behind. And there's sometimes he pulls a uh, hinds feet on high places, Hannah Herder's book, Hinds Feet on High Places, and he disappears completely from the path and leaves you. And in those moments, what do you have to do? You have to absolutely trust so that while you're with him, what you should do, if you're smart, you study him. And you learn his words and you learn his ways and you learn his heart and you learn his intentions so that if he's not present on a given day physically, that happens to us all the time. I love it when I can feel Jesus' presence. I spent a lot of my time not feeling that, okay? You have to trust. I love it when he gives me direction. Then, then there's this, these things that come up, and I'm, I'm like, God, what do I do here? And I'm not getting answers. Like, that's very unnerving if you're trying hard to do the right thing, right? You're like, if I make the wrong decision, I'm going to have to live with this the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, you will. And yet, knock, 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 and silence. He will eventually answer, but that you have to learn to trust him. And you have to learn to trust and know who he is. This is why we want to study Jesus. We want to learn his ways. Learn what matters so that when the deceiver comes, we go, I don't think that's Jesus. It doesn't fit with who he is. And, And so... It's very important that we understand that because at this moment of the invitation to follow me, there is there's this question. Um, when I was reading this book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's like, what comes first? first faith or believing or obedience? In following, which, what's first? Well, like, I'd be like spiritually, you know, I'm like my spiritual mindset. Like, oh, you faith first, you know. But, but, faith without works or faith without action is dead. And then let's go to the other side. Action without faith is dead works. So, you can ponder that for a long time, but conclusion, hopefully you would arrive here. You can't really separate those. That 
the movement is the believing, and the believement, believing is the obedience. Like, let me address something I see in the church. It's been around for a while, just the church, Christians at large, you know, in, in general. We work hard at this thing of developing our faith, but is it any good beyond the living room? If you have people that can quote scripture and listen to Christian things all the time, and, and that's wonderful, you should. Renew your mind, build yourself up. But you can't walk outside the door without being afraid of everything out there and, and not moving, then mm, stop. That's not this. Following Jesus is activity. If you don't like to sit around a lot and sit at meetings, then I don't blame you because I don't know that the real walk with Jesus looks much like that. It's a real walk. It's, a, it's about moving and going, following something. And he directs you as you move. I remember one of Phyllis and I's early, early discussions when we were probably when I even married yet, talking about faith and Abraham and whatever. We were friends for a while before we got married. That's always a good thing. <clears throat> our engagement was short, but our relationship was long and very conflicting and all those things, which, yeah, well, we should get married. We fight all the time, that kind of thing. So we did. Is that Abraham, he, there was movement. He walked. You can't steer a ship if it's not Yesterday, Phyllis said she was playing with Jason. She was just laughing about this, he, our little grandson. And he uh, was down at the play area at Ro um, Adam and Summers, and there's a captain's wheel, you know, like a ship wheel up on, in the play thing. And he's turning it, and Phyllis would ask him, where are we going, captain, you know? And he'd turn the wheel and turn the wheel, you know? That, that's not Christianity, like, No. I don't care how good you are spinning that wheel. That's, that's not what it looks like. There's got to be movement. And following Jesus is, is movement, and it's, it's, it's about following him. And that is what I believe, and that's why I'm putting these two thing, things together. This Jesus finishing the work he began in you, when does it begin? Now, he's always call, he's calling us, and he works things. You know, 30 years later, we find Jesus. So it doesn't matter when or how, once you do, now, now the work in you begins. I could be wrong about this, but I'm just, you have to go with me, I have the microphone. Uh, that the, what, when does it begin? It begins there when you move, when there's a response, when you follow, which takes action and faith and action and faith and believing, like the whole thing, and you begin to walk. And, he, and when he asks you to follow, you're going to have to, you're going to have, everything, everything is it like, is, is suspect or susceptible to the new, the one you're following. And if you make a rule about what that looks like, and then try to tell other people to keep that, that's what probably is the problem when we move into discipleship, and we, we, give it this heavy, like, these parameters, like, I don't know 
I know, I know the basic commands of Jesus that I want to see in your life, but I don't know what, you know, I don't know where he's going to lead you, and I can't decide that. It's very important that you follow this. Jesus, if we all show up where we're supposed to, do you understand what will happen in our whole world? But if we believe that we should only be in a four walls or in a certain thing or look a certain way, I mean, the Duck Dynasty guys have as much influence as the people with no hair. Like, it, it's not the, it's like you don't know how the Lord wants to use you and develop you. And, and it's about following him and you follow him. And later the disciples are asking this. I referred to it. He's like, uh, I think it was Peter. He's like, hey, what about him? He's like, that's none of your business. Duh, I need to know. No, you don't need to know. What you need to know is what I'm telling you. That's what you need to know. And you'll be, you'll have, be full time just figuring that out. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about who makes it, who doesn't make it. Get your eye. See, so immediately this becomes liberating. I can do this. Because I'm fighting off all the time the condemnation of failing. It's not the before Jesus, the stuff that bothers me, which I was 12 years old, so... There's not a lot there other than I would swear in the woods or something, you know. But it's, it's, it's all the stuff afterwards, the mistakes, the, you know, the, the whatever. And if you disengage from following Jesus, I'm just going to submit to you the, the work stops. And the work, Jesus being at work and you finishing what he began, it can be really kind of ugly. You're like, you know what? I'd be better off not following Jesus. And it's like, probably for a moment. But the eternal rewards are removed, just saying. And you changing and truly maturing. See, there's this thing of maturing that happens as you stay engaged in following. And your life may even be kind of hellish at times. <laughs> we can't guarantee. We don't know. I don't know. And one person isn't more spiritual than the other person because their life is more difficult. We all have this thing. Just follow me. Jesus, follow me. And, and, and it's not about what you accomplish or what you build. Like, though we, we want to go there, even after we, we come to Jesus, like, okay, let's do some stuff, Jesus. And we can even rally each other like we need to do something. You do if you do, but you don't if you don't. I was just, we don't have to turn here, but uh, um, Psalms um, 127, verses 1 and 2. If, unless the Lord builds the house, you're working in vain. What good is it for a man to stay up, work all night, and be building something that doesn't matter? Like, oh, have you done any of that stuff? Like, worked really hard at something that burned? So, it's the Lord that builds the house, and it's about coming into, into grace that changes all this. So the, the disciples realized what Jesus was asking, and, but the reality was they had already left things and were following Jesus. So they just needed to be like Jesus. Like the, re, the real response needs to be, you're the mat, whatever you ask of me. 
I will cry out for grace on these areas that are difficult, like the rich young ruler. If he would have just fell at Jesus, like, I don't know how I can do this. Jesus would have touched him with grace to enable him. That's, that's what I believe with all my heart. Whoever comes and says, I don't believe, but help my unbelief. You get faith. Because none of us are that good at believing what's difficult to believe. Not really. But it's, it's belie- do you believe enough to declare it? Do you believe enough to obey his word and, and say, I trust this? We were having a conversation earlier this morning um, before worship practice about this. Do you believe, do you, do you believe his promises that he will keep you in these difficult, that he will, that he will reward the wicked with their, because of their wicked, you know, ways. Scripture's full of them. Rob was sharing, it's like the Bible's full of of these promises that he'll deal with the wicked. And we're like, nothing's happening. Nobody, these evil people are getting away with everything. We're all like, ah! And and the real thing to trust in is is the promises of the Lord. It's like, none of it escapes my, I, I know, in time. I'll take care of it. And we have not had to trust that. That was our conversation. We've not been in a position where we truly have to trust the Lord for justice to come. After all, we live in America. Yeah. Now we're like, oh my gosh. So the rubber has to meet the road. If you choose to believe if you choose to follow there'll be a grace there for you if it's if you're voluntarily saying hey i'll follow you jesus it's like you probably you think you can let me show you let me show you it's not though you think you can let me show you go sell everything give it to the poor and come back and follow me happy feelings gone now Jesus doesn't want to play games with us, but that's what, that is what it takes. But that's also when the liberty and the freedom and the grace and the power come. When you follow wholeheartedly, when you just, when you just give it to him and become this person that, that follows him and puts him first. All that anxiety, if you're following Jesus, it drops off. Try it. Make it your meditation, like, I, I want to follow you, Jesus. Now you can do even things you don't want to do because there's a greater, you're looking above the unpleasant circumstance and you can see a greater, and you see, Jesus, I'm going to do this and, I, and I'm looking for a smile on your face. You'll be pleased with me because I endured. Because every, every time you shut down and go, oh, I can't do that, you lose, you lose that. This is what I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose that smile. I don't want to lose, he's pleased with me. He's, he's pleased because I'm following him and obeying him. I don't want to lose that. I don't want something to come between me. I don't want to be in a position where I refuse to forgive because I want to keep my eyes on him. And he'd be like, you know? I don't want that look. I want, I want the good look, like, that's the look I'm looking for. 
I'm looking for that wink. I'm looking for that nod. I'm looking for that, I'm pleased. And if I know him, I'll know what pleases him. And when I resist and refuse and go my own way, I know what displeases him and I feel it. I shared that uh, last week or the week before. We have, we have scriptures that tell us if someone asks to borrow from you, like give, we're like, sure, except for this, 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 you know. And I, I shared a story where I refused to loan someone my pickup truck. Gave some lame excuse, but I just didn't, I couldn't get there. And, and I felt, I didn't feel good about it when it was all said and done. Like I felt separated from the Lord. It wasn't worth it. It would have been better that I loaned it out and it got totally wrecked, which has happened a few times. Um, <laughs> it's like, but at least I didn't withhold and, and to be in a place where he's pleased with me, he makes sure that he gives, anything I've, he gives back anything I've lost. He compensates me. I have a great insurance program. I'm blessed. I'm prospering. I don't deserve to be. But I, I, he watches out for me. And in time, I'm, I'm getting, I'm reaping like what I've sowed. I'm reaping that, and my, my story is the Lord keeps me. He watches over me. And he's merciful when I've screwed up, and I get back on. I go, okay, I'm back to following. Good, let's go. It's, it's that simple. Okay, good, let's go. We're not going to sit around here and talk about it for the next 25 years. It's done. It's over. Pardoned. Let's go. Let's move. Follow me. We're going up that mountain. And that's adventure. If you're a Christian and you're bored, reevaluate. Maybe not so much. What do you follow? Because if you start to say, learn to say yes to the things. I still am grieved at the little things that I don't do. And then some, and I'm like, oh, I should have done that. Have you had that? The littlest whisper to pray for somebody and your mind kicks in. Click, 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 click. Nah, 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 you know. And, and you hesitate in the moments past. Later, you're like, oh. just something else happens. You go, I should have I done that. It would have been so much more meaningful for me, for the person. Like, I, I, I miss those little things. I want to stop missing them. This is about being a disciple. This is what it means to follow him. And to, and, and, and to hear, hear that nudge. And, and sometimes it's kind of no communications going on, so I have to trust what I know he would want me to do from his word. And then there are times when I get specific instruction. And if I can keep my brain from turning on, because it has all these reasons, like, oh, that's, that's dumb. Like, don't do that. Da, 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 you know? Right. No, stop. I'm just doing it. Just, I'm moving. Follow me. I'm here. I'm going. I'm, yes. There's such a, you'll start to get majorly excited about what the Lord, a phone call, the simple things, sometimes are the most powerful. You get a nudge from the Spirit. Do it. Do it. Do you understand what will be taken care of if we just move? If we just follow? 
Stop thinking and rationalizing and making it complicated and stop looking at other people and thinking, I got to do that. No, you don't got to do that unless Jesus says to do that. You don't have to go there. That's not better there. I'm coming to a place where it's like, wow, this is the greatest place on the planet to be. I love my little world here. I watch Jesus say, hey, move, move, you know, do this or go there. I'm like, ah. But it doesn't matter because I feel that because I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. I've gone other places, conferences, go to cities, go to other states, whatever. It's like, it's wonderful to visit. I'm like, I can't wait to get back home and get back to work, to the task, get back to where I'm supposed to be. I can go get energized. I can go somewhere and get refreshed and enjoy. And then it's time to get back to what I can put my, the plow back to where my hand belongs. And you discover that, and this is, this is what being a disciple is. You should never be afraid. Because the things the Lord asks of you that are hard, he only asks you so you can get free. This is what grace is. Grace is the redemption. It's the forgiveness. It's the, it's, it's the, the, the forgiveness of sin and the, and the ability to live without sin, the freedom to not sin. It's that ability to follow Jesus and please him. It's not a quasi, oh, you know, we'll screw up, we'll be this, we'll have this. But it's, it's about finding, it's finding a place, the provision of God to follow him and to, and to please him and do what he asks you to do. And get your eyes on what you're supposed to be doing. And the more different it looks across the room, the more things will be affecting. You've got to be where you're supposed to be. You can be very perplexed, feeling called by the Lord and thinking it only looks like this. When actually it's like Jesus finally gets through. It's like, no. It's like, yes, I called you. And no, it doesn't look like that. It's over here. It's round. And it's up here, you know? Like, oh. When you engage with that place, and that, then, then you feel so alive. Like, you like it here? I love it here. You like doing what you're doing? Oh, yeah, baby. I feel, I feel the presence of the Lord in this mundane thing because it's where I'm supposed to be. That's exciting. You can get free from boredom. You can get free from drudgery. Like, if the Lord's in it with you, it's all good. It's amazing. And so let us give our hearts to follow and to say yes to him. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask your grace for us. We, we all have difficult things that we just wrestle with letting go, wrestle with following you in. And we, we've checked out and we have our rationalizing going, our reasoning going, and our fears going, and, and, and all kinds of stuff affecting us. But I just ask there be a grace for us to come back to this ground zero, back to when you first called us, back to realizing you're going to work in me and perfect in me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that activated again. I'm going to keep that activated by following you, by tapping into the grace, the ability to follow you so that I have nothing to boast about. I just have something to testify about. I love following Jesus.
I love committing my life to Jesus. I love turning to him for what I need, turning to him first for what I need. So, Father, today in this room, just like this testimony that Phyllis uh, uh, referred to in the beginning of the meeting, that during a baptism, Lord, how long often when I've baptized someone, I've just, I've just been hoping for some transformation to take place, like a true manifestation. And, Father, it was so neat to get to see a real healing take place in baptism. That coming up out of the water, wow, everything had changed. And there were not theatrics. There was a real, genuine response from a real, broken, broken person that received and understood, most importantly of all, felt and knew your love. So our story is that you love us and you want us to know about it. And you're waiting to break in. And if we will just give, give our hearts to you and follow after you, we'll find everything that we're looking for, the things that last forever, the contentment and the provision, the blessing, the family, the connections, all, all that you add. There's so many things. There's so many things around the person that loves you and trusts you and puts you first. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.